I want to welcome all of you to our podcast, From My Kitchen Table, which is both inspired and created by our successful and award-winning Women Create magazines. For those of you who do not know me, I am Jo Packham, a small-town homegrown girl who had no big dreams of being the creator and editor-in-chief of your magazines, Where and What Women Create, among which we have profiled over 745 women from around the world in over 265 books and magazines. I am so thankful that you are here joining us today. Our podcast, which is for and all about you, will be coming to you weekly. So please listen on your platform of choice. The guests we have are visionaries who consist of artists, designers, foodies, and entrepreneurs each taking us through the ups and the downs of living a creative life. I will be introducing you to those in our industry, some well-known and some you have never met. These women have crafted amazing works of imagination, transformed cooking and baking into an art form, built successful businesses, inspired entire communities, and each has a story to tell of perseverance and triumph that will help each of us on our own personal journey. So welcome to From My Kitchen Table. This is the place to come together, to learn, and to share the passion, the process, the inspiration, the wisdom, and the journeys of living a creative life. I would like to welcome all of you today to From My Kitchen Table, my podcast that I hope I'm getting a little bit better at being the presenter. I am, I get so nervous. And today I have to admit that I'm a little bit more nervous than usual because our guest is, we, we have two guests today. Um, one is Lori Siebert, who we all know and love, and I've had on the podcast a couple of times, but the other guest is very, very special to me. I've been a huge fan of hers for as long as I can remember. We were talking before we came on the podcast and we've both been in the industry just about the same amount of time. And I would like to introduce all of you to Mary Inglebright. This is a huge honor for me. I'm going to say it 20 times during the podcast <laughs> because she's such an icon in our industry. And um, as I always say in my podcast, I'm going to read both Mary's and Lori's bios because like I always say, if I tried to just tell you what it was and I got confused and said something incorrectly about what these women have accomplished, I would be horrified. So I'm going to start with Mary's, then I'm going to read Lori's, and then I'm going to introduce you to Mary Inglebright. You are going to have such a great hour. Over 40 years ago, Mary Inglebright launched her own company, with a strong desire for creative freedom and a line of 12 greeting cards. The head of a highly successful business bearing her name, Mary is one of the country's premier designers and artists. She is known throughout the world for her distinctive illustration style and design sensibility, modestly referred to as eclectic traditional. Mary's signature art imbued with spirited wit and warmth appears on thousands of products, including greeting cards, books, which include design, gift, children's cooking, home and art, calendars, stationery, fabric, crafts, kitchen accessories, dinnerware, and other home decor items. Mary was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, and still lives there with her family and pets. Learn more about Mary at maryinglebright.com. 
And Laurie Siebert, who has become a good friend over the years and has been on a couple of podcasts, began her design business in 1987, just three years after graduating with a degree in graphic design. With her husband, Steve, as her business partner, she spent the first 20 years focused on branding, packaging, and print materials for clients like Target, Nickelodeon, and Bath and Body Works. Her studio also spent a few years doing environmental graphics for the city of Cincinnati and for Universal Studios in Florida. About 14 years ago, her design firm switched focus to art licensing. Lori and her designers create art, pattern, and product concepts for licensing with a variety of manufacturers. These designs have been featured on ceramics, wall decor, stationery, rugs, pillows, all kinds of gift and home decor products. Today, Lori is looking forward to concentrating on her loves, painting, as well as making and hosting art retreats in gorgeous locations. I would like to welcome you both to the podcast. Mary and Lori, thank you for coming. Thank you for thank having you, me. Thank you, Joe. Can't it's, wait to hear more about my, my favorite person, Mary Engelbright. <laughs> thank you, Laura. <laughs> I this is I think this is the first time in all the years that we've ever spent like more than a hello at the trade shows together. So this is really an honor. It's taken me 45 years to get your attention. <laughs> so here we are. So Mary, I know our audience knows a lot about you, but it's always nice to hear some of the details of the past from you and then we'll move into um, what you're doing today and what your hopes are for tomorrow and how you're working with Lori, which is why she's here. So if if you wouldn't mind starting with the beginning, I guess. Oh, um, the beginning was so fun because we didn't know what we were doing. And that's always a good way to jump into something because you think you can do it all. Um, you don't realize <laughs> what you've just done. But it was fun. And we went to that New York stationery show with our 12 little tiny cards. And um, luckily we got noticed by New York Magazine and they did a little tiny uh, write-up about it, but it, it made all the difference in the world. And really it was just a matter, people came up to us at that show and said, we'd like to license your drawings. Uh, for, um, I think it was a calendar and I can't even remember the other products. And we said, sure, not knowing what licensing was. And um, we quickly found that out and um, immediately started licensing. So um, I can't say that it was ever difficult at the beginning. It just was so, um, it was such a smooth, operation um and it was i think we were came into the business at a really good time when licensing like that was at its peak um you know everybody was doing it it, it um and it's just it's not like that now people ask me now younger artists ask me for advice and and um you know i really can't even give them any because i it's so different and it, it works so differently um, that the way I know how to do it isn't really relevant today. But um, back then it was just, it was really fun and the company grew. My husband was my partner 
And um, we just had a lot of fun. It was great. Well, and you grew so fast. I have to correct myself. I lied. I'm going to correct myself right here in the middle. I actually featured you in the magazine and I yes. flew and I completely forgot that. See how nervous I get in yeah. your presence? <laughs> I was going to say something, but I thought, well, <laughs> yeah, no. Always I, say something. I get I, so I nervous in the uh, magazine. I was so thrilled to be in the magazine. <laughs> That's, I was nervous going there, doing the photo shoot, coming home. I mean, well, I really am very insecure in the presence of greatness and I <laughs> you did not seem nervous at all Jeff. I, I was nervous well I was, was I was yeah, crazy was, yeah it was, was fun an honor to be in that magazine oh my gosh well we'd love to have you in future issues too sure. I mean I would love that with all the new things you're doing but back to you enough about how nervous I get but back to you I can um you grew so fast and were in so many categories. And then you actually opened your own retail stores, right? We did. That was an eye opener. Um, we opened, I think we had 12 stores across the country in malls. Um, that was also the height of the popularity of malls, which are all closed now. Right. Um, so we opened 12 stores and they did well. Um, the St. Louis store was just gangbusters. Actually, they all did well, but we decided that it was a whole other business. Um, you know, you had to hire managers and a lot of employees at each store and try and keep track of all these, you know, one in Seattle, one in California, one on the East Coast. And we decided that that was not uh, a business that we wanted to be in. So we, we closed them after a while. What, what is your favorite, what is the favorite category that you design for in, in the history of your designing? Is it greeting cards? Is it books? Is it calendars? Or are they all kind of the same? You love doing them all because you get to draw such, I love your figures and I love your words, your, your words. The quotes. Yeah, yeah, the quotes. So I would much. say the thing I like the best is um, back then uh, the greeting cards. We were producing them ourselves and selling them. So, um, and then we went with um, a couple of different little companies. We wound up with Sunrise for a long time, and then I was with American Greetings for a little while, and now just signed a new contract with was Madison Park and I can't remember what they're called now but I would say greeting cards and calendars are my favorite because you know each piece is just a single drawing a single idea I don't I don't have to worry if the characters look the same from page to page which is so nerve-wracking so that that's my favorite thing and all of the licensing really is fabric um anything we do is taken from those drawings even from something so small as a pattern on a skirt can turn into fabric or you know picture frames or dishes or whatever and um, as Lori demonstrated when she put together that book for us the lookbook and um, that's the fun part for me is drawing those original drawings that everything is taken from. So this may be a question you don't know the answer to, but you started with 12 cards. Do you, and then how many cards 
did you do a year in the beginning? Did you introduce a new line of cards for every show yearly? Did you introduce them monthly? I mean, how did you, how many new cards did you introduce in the beginning? In the beginning, um, well, 12 was not enough. So <laughs> right away, we, um, I did a bunch more. It was just kind of a constant stream of cards coming. Um, and as I say, we worked for several small companies, um, very small companies. And then we went with Sunrise and I, I was doing maybe 50 designs a year for them, I guess, for cards that they would release throughout the year. Well, that's, so do you have any idea how many greeting cards you've released over your career? I don't. I know that we have um, a little over 14,000 <laughs> copyrights, <laughs> but that's not all for drawings. I mean, some of that is spot art or, you know, things like that, but um, yeah, it's it, tens of thousands. I mean, so many. Oh my I gosh, your filing system must be do you have do you have them all? Are they all digitally filed now, or do you yes. have the original artwork still? Oh no, they're all it's all digitally filed. Yeah, a lot of the original art is long gone because I have, would have a show every year and sell the originals. So let's talk. You've done so many things. Let and the thing that's so impressive about you is that you started with greeting cards, but then you went into books and that's a whole nother category I mean you're still designing but you have to work with publishers or publish your own and it's a whole new you know they're in bookstores now which your greeting cards probably were originally too were right. in bookstores right right they're they're so. still in some but yeah and we hope now with a new license that they'll be everywhere again <laughs> I yeah. think we will be. Um, yeah. Tell me how many books you've done over your career. Do you know? Well, it sounds like a lot, but it's like about 160. But a lot of those are just our little gift books um, using the existing art. So I would say I've done about, I really don't know, but I want to say 15 to 20 original books. And, but not all of them have been your art. You did some beautiful books about studios, right? And homes. Right. We did um, some decorating books. I did it with Barbara Martin and uh, Charlotte Lyons. We decided we love decorating and we all had cool houses, we thought. And we, all of our friends had cool houses and we would look at decorating books and think, this isn't what we want to see. <laughs> we want to see houses like ours and let's put together a book. And uh, I had a great publisher, which I still have, Andrews McMill. And we went to them and said that we would like to put together a decorating book. And they said, yes, like they always do. They're the best. And um, so we put together a bunch of decorating books. I've got a bunch out. And we always incorporated the art into the books, but it really, they were photographs of homes and projects and things like that. It was really fun. Well, and they're and, so beautifully done. I mean, cause that's how I started was in the book business. So I was always a fan of those as well. So did you actually go on all the photo shoots to all the homes or did you just know the people and they took the photography and sent it to you? How involved were you? No, I was really involved. Um, 
at, at uh, especially at the beginning, well, it was just the three of us, uh, Barbara, Charlotte, and myself, and we would go on every photo shoot. Um, we'd find out, um, it was word of mouth, you know, you photograph somebody's house and they say, oh, you want to see so-and-so's house. And, and um, so we'd get scouting photographs in and we'd all fly out there and I'd style the stuff and Charlotte would write the articles and Barbara would photograph. And um, I don't think I've ever had that much fun in my life before or since. Um, and then the books uh, turned into the magazine eventually. And then it got very big. Um, when the magazine started, I did go on um, well, almost all of the shoots, um, but then it just got too big. And, you know, with my other work, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, keep that up. So I would go occasionally, but not like before. And we had photographers in every city that we would hire to do, to photograph. And, and we had a lot of writers and, you know, it just got, it was a whole different ball game. It was still really fun. Well, they're all, every category is a separate business in and of itself. And some of it overlaps, but a lot of it has to be done originally. People don't right. realize the behind the scenes. I, I loved no. your magazine. I had, I had every magazine you published for years and years and years. And then when I lost my studio, all my magazines went by the wayside, you know, you have to sort out. Yeah. I have to tell you a story. I used to live in a I used to live in a little tiny house and the whole basement was my magazines. And I moved across the street to a much larger house and my son's job, he was about in the sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, was to carry all the magazines across the street from house to house. And about <laughs> after his third trip with, I, he actually had your magazines in his hand, which is why this story means so much to me. And he looked at me and he said, Ma, do you realize that if you didn't spend so much money on magazines, we would be independently wealthy? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, it was hilarious because he was yeah. so young. And I loved your <laughs> magazine so much because I, I like decorating, but I loved the studio section you had. Yeah. Magazines. I think that was the inspiration for me for um, years later, but uh it was, I, I'm fascinated by women's studios and you were the first, I think, that I ever I think saw so. do that. Yeah, nobody, uh, that was very important to us when we were uh, dreaming up the magazine. And um, that was very important to us to show a studio on every issue. And whether the person was a, a professional artist or just, you know, like to make things or whatever, but we wanted to show their space where they made things and their work. And we hadn't seen that ever, but that's what we were interested in. And you'll notice at the very beginning, um, the magazines didn't have any cooking um, or recipes or anything. Um, eventually we had to cave and put that kind of stuff in. <laughs> But um, yeah. all those really all we wanted was, the, the, you know, look at the houses and to look at the studios and the art. So, so how, how many years did you publish your magazine? It was 11 years. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize yeah, it was so there. long. No wonder I had so many. Yes. <laughs> you could have been independently wealthy. 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I could years. have at least paid for Justin to go to college. That's right. <laughs> So can, can you share with us why you stopped publishing? I mean, did, was it something internally or was it just, you know, like I've had a whole series of magazines and two of them we don't publish anymore, even though I love them, you know, there just wasn't a demand for them as much as the others. And I'm always curious when other magazine publishers, because I would still be buying your magazines if you were still publishing them. So was it an internal decision or just the market took a dip for a minute or? Yeah, it was the market. It was, um, yeah, because that is the question I get probably asked most often is, why don't you redo your magazine? But it's, it's so expensive to produce. Um, but yeah, it was around, I wanna say, and I could be wrong about this, but 2008, you know, when everything kind of collapsed and people stopped advertising and without advertising and people don't understand this outside the business, but we didn't understand it when we first started. There were no ads in that magazine when we first started. It was all content, but to stay in business, you have to have advertising and the advertising just because of the economy dried up and we could not afford to do it anymore so we had to end it and you know and uh it was sad we were very sad to lose it and i know that people really liked it and we had a whole list of houses we still wanted to do and it was just frustrating but you know it can only do so much well and business is hard you know, I mean, people are so envious of all the things you've done. And it, even though it was easy in the beginning and people came right to you at market, I mean, you work so hard and there are so many different aspects of everything you've done that consumers just simply don't understand. They, right. they don't understand that back end and all the employees and the office space and all the files and- And the insurance and the- <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, you have to provide um, for your employees. You have to, yeah, it, there's a lot involved that, um, you know, people don't realize. A lot of people write and say, well, just just put the magazine on online. And, <laughs> this, you know, they're not understanding that we have to fly somewhere to photograph the house. You have to pay the photographer, the stylist, the got to edit the photos, you got to write the article, you got to pay all these people and not just pay them. You have to pay insurance and you have to do this, you have to do that. You have to, you know, the, the cost is um, of any kind of business, the cost that you don't see, that the, that the customer doesn't see are astronomical and you have to decide what part of the business you want to continue and what you can let go. We didn't really have much of a choice with the magazine, though. When the advertising went away, we, there was nothing we could do. So did you actually print your own magazine and distribute it, or did you work with a printer or a publisher? We worked with uh, Anders McMeal. Oh, you did? From the beginning. They were our partners. And then um, it sold to a couple different people during the, uh, during the run. I mean, it, we were with Cox for a little while in Atlanta, and then we were with um, 
Lord. <laughs> no, I love cool. I, I've been doing this too long. But with, I, with these great guys uh, in New York, whose name I can't remember. You know, um, we all have that same problem. And what used to worry me, Mary, was that I used to think I was the only one that couldn't remember because I was older, right? And there have been so many names. But through the podcast, what I've learned <laughs> is that these young kids can't remember either. You know? <laughs> Nobody can. There's too there's, much. There's way brain. too much. Yes. It's, but we always um, had a partner with the magazine. I, 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 I've always had a partner with my magazines too, because the printing and the distribution, what people don't understand about the magazine industry is not only do you have to pay for all the things that you've talked about, but you have to pay for your position on newsstands yeah. and you have to pay distribution fees and you have to pay all of those kinds of things that no one understands, which is why advertising is so important. I mean, you just, you know, you have right. to, do what you have to do if you're going to be a really big magazine like you were so as a matter of fact when we when we started the magazine you know as i say we didn't have any ads and it was just this great looking magazine full of decorating ideas and the bookstores um it's very important you know where they place things and they said to us this looks like a book this doesn't look like a magazine so you have to either, um, what did they want us to put in it? Um, I can't remember, but we had to magazine it up. We had to make it look <laughs> more like a magazine and not like a decorating book. And um, But yeah, you don't think about that. And, and you're paying for the space and you're paying for, you're paying for the shelf that you're on. Right. If you're right here at eye level or, you know, yeah, the, the, the costs never end for that kind well, of thing. And then what, I mean, because this is, I, you know, when we used to travel more before COVID, every city I was in, every bookstore I was in, I would go look for our magazines, right? And then what we found out was, didn't we had paid for everything, we'd done everything right, but when I couldn't find the magazine, I'd go find the manager and the manager would go find the stock boy and the stock boy would come out who's making minimum wage and could care less, right? Yeah. And, and says, oh yeah, I saw those boxes in the back. They were in my way. I just pushed them out for a while. I'll go get them, you know? And then I would just explode yeah. because you're, you're at the mercy of everything of the stock do, boy. of the stock boy, all yeah. that money and all those hours. And it's the same with everything. I'm sure with your greeting cards, I mean, where they're placed in the stores, who puts them there, how often they refresh them, all those kinds of things that are completely out of your control. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a constant battle. One day in the, uh, I have a funny story about the, uh, uh, the magazine. I was at Barnes and Noble and there were a lot of people milling around the magazine place and I wanted I noticed our magazine was off to the side. I wanted it in the middle. So I was, wait, I was standing around and I was waiting for everybody to leave the aisle. And, there, and I noticed out of the corner of my eye, there was one woman who was just standing there and she just wasn't leaving. So I, finally, I finally looked up and it's uh, Nikki Dwyer who did the, uh, all the cooking of our magazine. And she was waiting there to do the exact same thing. So 
between the two of us, we got it moved to the right in the middle where we wanted it. But you're really not supposed to do that because obviously that person has okay. paid to have their magazine. We do that too. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. We laughed when we saw each other. We were both waiting for the other to leave. <laughs> it's hilarious what you I do know. behind the scenes, right? The little tiny yeah. things you do to help yourself because you have to. Otherwise, you just get kind of lost in the shuffle of stuff, right? Yeah, and you 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 know you have to pay attention to uh, to everything when you're doing this, which is one reason we let the um, retail stores go. It was you know it was too much, and it was something that we our heart wasn't in like it was, I mean, our main business was always drawing, you know, my main business was drawing and um, that's what was important. And that's what we had to concentrate on. So. So what, what was the process of, I mean, were you sitting in a board meeting one day and somebody said, I think we should do retail stores because we can sell our own product and we don't have to sell wholesale and we can make all the, you know, all the money on everything. That sounds like the things we used to hear. They used to always try to cut out the middleman, like the retail store owner, because you could make more money, but nobody thought about how much work it was, you know, right. to do that yourself, right? Right. So, well, at the time people were, uh, opening stores I'm trying to think of somebody else who um, there were lots more independently owned stores like that in malls back then um, then they just went to all chains um, well and then they Cornell, went out of business yeah April Cornell did things yes April Cornell, that's a good example she right. had beautiful stores and um, you know we just we had I love to shop and um, I thought you know we could do a really great looking store, which we did. Um, oh, they were fabulous. We had, a, we had a guy come in and he'd paint murals on the walls and, you know, he'd paint a little mouse at the floor that, you know, was moving around the store. I, we just did, you know, we looked at every single detail, every piece of furniture. Yeah, it was kind of the thing to do back then. And I think... Uh, we had a different business partner then. And I think in the back of his mind was somebody was going to come in and buy these stores and really blow it out all over, you know, oh. in every mall. And that was not going to happen. And, you know, was not really what I was interested in. And I was tired of hearing of all the troubles with, you know, hiring in all these different states and far away. I didn't know everybody. So, you know, it just was uh, time to end that. It was a relief. It, it is a relief. And, and it's, you know, it serves a purpose. You try things and you figure out that they don't work and that you learn from them. And it's like going to college. I always, when I did things like that and they didn't work, I kind of would relate it to um, the price it would cost me to go to Harvard for four or five years. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because it's such a great experience and a great education. And I probably learned more than I would have sitting in a Harvard classroom because it was actual. It oh, was yeah. just theory, yeah. right? And there and there were good benefits to it too. You know, I would do 
um, signing tours between the stores, you know, um, and it raised awareness of my brand and, um, of course, got us a lot of licenses because they had a ready-made place to sell the, the stuff. So um, there were a lot of benefits to it, but in the end, it just, it was, you know, not something that we wanted to spend our efforts on. Well, you need to you need to focus. What I've learned over the years is is that you need to focus on what is your true passion, and right. so that you don't have all the distractions because you really everything, do. everything suffers a little bit. The more distractions you have, you know, the harder it is to find time to do what you really love, what your yeah. what your yeah. true passion is in your heart of hearts. And yeah, so, you have to narrow it down and and realize where what the important thing is and um, where, you know, in my case, the drawings are where everything else comes from. So if I'm not doing the drawings, we're in trouble, you know. Right. So. Yes, yes, you are in trouble. I'll <laughs> be in I... big trouble, especially me, so. So, okay, so this may sound like a ridiculous question, but I'm not an artist. Um, and so I don't know the answers to this, but I'm, you have been drawing so long and even though they're all different and they all have their own personality and they're all so delightful, can you sit down and just draw a finished piece or do you go through stages? Do you, do you like draw and throw it away or draw and change it or draw? I mean, is it a process or is it are you so experienced that you can just sit down and create a finished piece? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just, um, yeah. I mean, I've got so much art that's due. I don't have a lot of time to, you know, ditz around and throw stuff out and I never do that. So I draw, uh, I have an idea, I draw it. I do everything on the one piece of paper um, to ink it in, color it, it's done, move on to the next one. And I have a lot of ideas. So um, luckily, and I am very lucky, it's never been a problem um, to come up with new ideas. I mean, there are times when I don't feel like drawing or I'll hit a dry spell and you know won't do anything for a few weeks, but um, generally I'm always working. Does that scare you when you hit a dry spell? Do you nope. worry? Nope. No. Nope. It's just a, a breather. You just need a break. Yeah. It's, I mean, you, I've learned to just take advantage of it. Yeah. I just pretty much um, now, um, I'm sure I was more nervous earlier, but um, yeah, now when that happens, I just kind of lean into it, you know, take a break. Nice. I, I figure it will come back. It always has. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> you're 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 so good and you're so prolific. So, what inspires you? I mean, you have when you talk about how many cards you've produced. I mean, it's people always say, you know, where do you get your ideas? I mean, where do you get your ideas? I mean. <laughs> 
it's like um, some people say I I I love nature, so I like to be out in nature all the time, and the trees and the sky and everything inspire me. Some go to art shows and say what other people have done sparks an interest in me. I mean, someone who is as experienced and prolific as you are, what does inspire you to go off on a new trek or a new trail or a new idea? Deadlines. Inspire <laughs> me. I mean. I, honestly, when you are producing art, you know, that has to be out at a certain time, and there's a lot of it that has to be out at a certain time, um, it does. I mean, I, I just, my brain is firing on all, uh, you know, b b because it's, you, you just got to get it done. And, um, you know, I base my things on um, things that happen to me or my family or my friends. And, and I figure if they're happening to us, they will be familiar to everybody else. So, um, you know, I kind of illustrate feelings, you know, or things that everybody goes through. And um, since that's always happening, you know, that inspiration is always there. So that's what keeps me going is that I <laughs> the deadline have to <laughs> yeah Mary, you are delightful I love you well. <laughs> <laughs> because some people are so profound in what inspires yeah. you and I love your honesty I, and your your <laughs> straightforwardness right so let's talk about let's talk about for a sec what your um, hope for the future is, and let's bring Lori into the conversation about yes, how- Yes, Lori is my hope for the future. <laughs> so bring her in. <laughs> well, Lori, that's not too much pressure. Oh gosh, oh goodness, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> so let's talk about, Mary, how you, how you um, thought about um, combining forces with Lori, how that all happened what you're doing, what you what really, what your hopes for the future are, how you're working together. I mean, because this is the dream, your partnership is the dream of a lot of artists out there, right? Who don't know how to get their artwork out, how to um, create a new category, how to do everything you two are doing together. So I'm gonna let you guys banter back and forth and tell us how it all happened and what your future looks like together. Well, I I uh, contacted Laurie because, um, you know, we've had different licensing agents over the years. Um, we've done our own licensing and there is an ebb and flow to licensing. And, um, you know, I've been out there so long and tastes change and, um, you know, things happen. Sometimes you're really hot and then you're not and then you know you gain popularity and but we had kind of um i felt like while the greeting cards and the books are always and the calendars are always going to be there for us i felt like we had kind of hit a wall with the other stuff and as i say licensing has changed um art has changed a lot of people do art you know on the computer and um a lot of people don't even need to hire an actual artist. They just use art from, you know, uh, the internet or something. But at any rate, I just felt like we had hit a wall. And I really admired the way Lori uh, did her business with the licensing under her name, 
her wonderful work and then licensing under her studio. And you correct me if I'm wrong, Lori, but, you know, providing art for these manufacturers. And I, you know, I thought that was pretty genius to hit it from both, both ends. Um, so I just called her for advice and said, what, do, what can I do here to, you know, because I knew that there's so much in the drawings that people could use on their products, but I wasn't sure how to, how to approach them. And so I just called Lori for advice. And yeah. luckily yeah. she seemed interested. Well, of course, like that was, I mean, such an honor and to be able to, what I did was um, I suggested that maybe we create a lookbook and just from my perspective, um, like Mary said, she's kind of got the gift, you know, the gift side covered pretty well, uh, the books, the cards, the calendars, things like that, but there's such a rich story of home decor in Mary's background with the magazine. And I've, I visited her home before when I attended one of her workshops and her home is incredibly curated, beautifully curated. So I thought, well, it would be great to extract some of the pattern work that is so prolific in Mary's work and really come up with some mix and match collection stories to show for, for more of the home decor segment of licensing. So I ended up going to visit Mary and spend time with her files, going through all of the digital files and, and going to her home. And her Mary's aesthetic, you can tell her aesthetic is integrated with everything in her home, like what she collects and, you know, it's, it's all part of how she sees the world. And so I saw a way to incorporate some of the things she collects, vintage stuff with, with her art and her pattern work. And so we created a lookbook um, with several collections uh, presenting the work in kind of a, a new way for showing Mary's work in and really focusing on home decor. And then I went to the gift show in Atlanta in January and shared it with all the clients that I'm already working with and got some real interest in, and it's slow. I mean, <laughs> as, as Mary will attest, you know, you, you go to the shows and everybody's all excited and then, you know, you have to keep working it and working it and working it to get things actually done. But I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful because there was real excitement when I shared the lookbook in January. I think- Yeah, we've talked real... to several of the people that you've talked to and, um... But like you say, it's, you know, slow. Yeah. I mean, it's all about timing and, you know, right. when, when the time is right and all of that. So, yeah. I and I think from, I was just going to say, I think one of the things that's different about licensing maybe than what was, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Mary, but there's so much more required of the artist. Um, you know, I, we have to 
show it on the product and do mock-ups and you know oh yeah we, we never had to do that and and deliver all the files as layered files and right. make sure all the patterns are built and repeat and you know you're doing so much work to make a collection um, viable for because the manufacturers are working so fast if they can grab a collection and it's already put together in a way that they can apply it to all different formats and different sizes and use move around the eye, the imagery easily, you're going to have a much better chance of getting the license than someone right. else who they, you know, it might require a lot of work for them to make it, um, to make it work on their products. They just won't do it anymore. I've yeah. Very few right. yeah. manufacturers will do that anymore. We used to just hand people drawings and they would, you know, they'd do all that work, you know, put it where they wanted it. And also uh, the other difference is we didn't license with manufacturers. We licensed with companies, um, which of course now I can't think of a single one, but you know, you'd, you'd license with a company like, I, like Midwest and then Midwest mm -hmm. would go to their manufacturers and have the thing made well now um and then sell it to the gift stores mm -hmm. well now since there are so many fewer gift stores they want to get into the big box stores but you deal directly with the manufacturers and they'd like to have a store in place that they can sell it to before they'll even you know what i mean right. it's kind of reversed yeah. how yeah. Uh, it used to be yeah and so it's we we kind of um I don't know how to put it. We, we just weren't sure how to license that way. So this was incredibly helpful. What, yeah. what you and Mackenzie did with this lookbook was just fantastic. So tell our listeners, like, now that you're doing all of the work, so do the companies and the manufacturers just assume that you will pay yourself for all that work and all that investment? Or do they give you a a fee that they will help cover those costs? Well, it, it varies from company to company, but it used to be that companies would pay in advance towards royalties for some of that work. But sadly, advances have kind of, kind of gone by the wayside for the right. most part. Um, I've kind of worked a hybrid situation with some companies where I will get an art fee plus uh, a reduced royalty rate, but it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's, you know, it requires yeah. a whole lot of work on the, on the upfront and really, you know, it does behoove you to have really great partnerships in place that you're working with, you know, time after time, because then you can sort of cut down on some of the upfront work and, you know, if they trust you, like, for example, you know, if I'm going to a company that I've not worked with before, I might go all out and, you know, render all the products and show room setting and, you know, really go crazy on the vision. But as you have partnerships, you might be able to just then show sketches or, you know, say this show an image board and say, I'm thinking about this idea. What do you think? And, 
And then they can tell you, oh, we're already doing that concept with someone else, or, oh, I don't know that that's gonna fit with our, our trend vision right now or whatever. So you can cut down a little bit on the upfront part, but yeah, you have to do a lot. It's, it's I, I wish I had started in the heyday of art licensing. <laughs> oh man, it was, it was a piece of cake compared to oh, yeah. what it's like now. <laughs> well, and then what people don't understand too, um, these young designers, because I hear it a lot, everybody wants to start their own magazine these days, right? And <clears throat> what they don't understand, which I'm sure is the same with you all, you get paid royalties and those royalties, it takes sometimes up to a year to figure out what the royalty payment should be on the first line because they have to you have to draw it they have to manufacture it they have to ship it they have to get it on shelves they have to sell through then they have to get all their numbers together and pretty soon it's been 10 to 12 months before you even know if you have a royalty coming yeah well you're producing the work for usually a year to a year and a half out before you're going to start getting royalties so from a cash flow perspective, that's why we've kind of moved to more of a hybrid where we are getting, we are doing some projects on a fee basis and some on a royalty basis because it sure is nice to, you know, do the work, build the work and get paid 30 days later. That's, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful thing. And that's what I came from. I mean, in my graphic design business, that's how it was. So you know, the art licensing model is quite different and it keeps changing even more and evolving even more. Right. So yeah, it's, it's tricky, but on the positive, so it's not all doom and gloom. It is, <laughs> it is very gratifying when you do have a beautiful collection come out and it sells well. And yeah, mm -hmm. so that is, that is a driver and I, I'm really hopeful that this lookbook comes out with one of the, cust the customers that I work with. She was really, really interested and I, I really want her to do the collection because I think she'll do a great collection of Mary Englebright um, ceramics and other home decor items. I think it'll be great. Yeah, it, it, it will be great. And it's, it's um, the other difference I think in licensing is the um, you know, back when I started, there were so many independently owned stores, gift stores and stationery stores and things like that. There just aren't uh, uh, anymore. They're not enough to interest a manufacturer um, to make a line of products if that's where you want to sell exclusively. You know, there's just not enough um, right. for the, to make it worth their while. So it's pretty important that you, um, you know, get it, get into as many stores as you can, you know, the big box stores and things like that, if that's, if that's possible. And then we opened our own online store, which we produce things for that just exclusively. And that, um, that's been a godsend for us. The online store is great. Well, we, I was going to say that during, uh, the, during COVID, a lot of the companies that I work with took a pause for, you know, a mm. lot of different reasons. And the ones that did do better already had that online direct to consumer part of their business. 
and right. more more and more of them are are doing that because yeah i mean people weren't able to go out and shop yeah so, yeah um yeah so i i think on and a lot of my friends too from an online perspective you know if they were teaching live now they had to do it online so the yeah. online space has become kind of the place of focus for for so many reasons right and i don't think that's going away oh Even i don't if, think, uh, yeah. you know we don't have to stay inside i don't i don't see that going away but i could be wrong i don't you know yeah, I, don't, I, I don't see it going away either because i before covid i never shopped online for anything I'm a huge supporter of independent retailers, right? Or uh -huh. your local retailers. And so I never shopped online. And then during COVID, we had to shop online if you wanted to find anything or, you know, whatever. And now I find myself, I lecture myself at night sometimes because I'm online looking for things that I'm interested in. And I think, Joe, stop that. <laughs> go tomorrow outside the door and go shopping. But it's so easy and you have the choices are, you know, endless, right? Because endless. of all the online yeah. stores. So I think it's not going to go away. And I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And this younger generation, they see it as an asset not to have to go shopping. They don't want to go shopping. Oh, right? no. No, right. yeah, it's and I, I still go back to everything like my cute little granddaughter who's 17 years old when she's going to prom she goes online and her and her mom order five dresses right and they mm -hmm. all get shipped and she tries them on and then they ship them back and I'm over there just very politely saying I don't think that's fair to the retailers that you're sending them back to right you guys need to be yeah. more specific and you don't get to try on a whole dressing room full of dresses because it costs the retailer a lot of money and some of the retailers even though they're online are fairly small retailers you know I look mm -hmm. at people like Jill Schwartz for example with her jewelry line she um she's sold in every major department store and been amazing and she's selling online now but when people buy it and ship it back it's a huge expense to her right hmm. right it's yeah. hard it's hard as an independent to make money online i think yeah i think it's hard it's hard for most people to make money anymore <laughs> yeah. um, i i did want to say some of the other things that are you know i the manufacturers are dealing with so much now in terms of even getting product and because there's all kinds of shipping issues and uh, cost on materials and it's really pretty miraculous that a product even gets onto the shelf <laughs> and it's funny how many people don't appreciate all of what goes into you know when you go in any store, all the things that are on the shelves, just, you know, I love being an advocate for all of the people involved in making that product happen. Mm -hmm. Oh, they haven't got a clue. Like even with the magazines and the subscriptions, you know, we got caught in the, uh, in the shortage of paper. So we had a hard time getting paper to print the magazines on. And then the post office, we got the around Christmas time, 
none of the pack the magazines got delivered and so we took a deep dive into why and they sent us pictures of huge warehouses with thousands of bins filled with just mail and packages that they didn't know if they'd ever get to right wow. ship out and nobody understands that it's all your fault <laughs> <laughs> one time we got a, a picture from one of our publishers of uh I think it was the calendars, uh, why the calendars weren't here yet. They showed a, just taken from another ship, a photograph of another, in one of those huge container ships. They're so big, you can hardly picture it. And it was a terrible storm. And they, and the picture was all those, you know, the big container. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just tipping off the boat into the water. <laughs> oh gosh. During the storm. So, you know. Who knows oh, what's gosh. at the bottom of the ocean? I hate to <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> which, which is a whole nother problem. Right. Right. right, exactly. So, you know, yeah, there's there's just one thing after another just to get that little vase on a shelf in a store where you're going to see it. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. there's a lot involved. It's, yeah. And people just, you know, when you're just strictly a consumer, when you've never been in the manufacturing or production end of, of product, they are so impatient and so non-understanding. It's just like, I want it now. And where is it? And it's your fault. It's not here. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I spend hours writing really long letters explaining to them. And I say at the beginning, this letter is really, really long because there's so much in the process that you need to understand that I can't say it in 25 words or less, right? Right, right. So, yeah, it's really, it is a miracle that any of us have product on, on, news, on newsstands or in stores or, and then the stores change their minds so quickly, they're gonna pick up a line and they're all excited about it. And then they get a new buyer in there and she changes her mind. Oh, and doesn't that's one of my that. pet peeves. Yeah, the new <laughs> buyer, the huge turnover of buyers. And yeah, you, you're all excited about a whole new line and they want to put their own stamp on it. So that's dead and they're going to start something. Yeah, else. oh yeah. Are we being very curmudgeon -y? <laughs> We no, we are being what we are is we're being kindly realistic so that yes. the consumer is educated because we have to educate the consumers because their expectations are unrealistic. And well, they I think it's also helpful for artists starting out to hear this. Right. Because I don't think they understand either. I mean, forget the consumer. They, they're on their own. Yeah. But the, the <laughs> artists need to understand that how hard it is to get something out there. It's not just um, you have a good idea and th that's it. That's all you need. I and mean, you make a, and you make millions in licenses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Stewart, I, you know. I know. I get asked all the time about um, you know. I'll get a direct message in my um, Instagram, and someone will say, "I'm thinking about art licensing. Should I do it?" And I'm always, I always say, this is a very long answer or they'll say, or they'll say, how do I do it? I'm like, right. Okay. And I get asked to do, uh, you know, a course on it. And I, you know, I hesitate a little bit because I, I would probably give the real story and, and then they would all go into dentistry or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do know tips that help. 
it to be, you know, to get those relationships with really great manufacturers and, you know, ways to work. But the reality is it's, it's a lot of hard work, but I think anything is that you're going to really succeed at it. it, You know, it's, it's it's not always easy. No. And I think it's important that you realize, um, you know, what's involved and, and, um, yeah, people write me a lot and say, how do I, how do I do what you do? And, um, (laughs) don't, it's already done, (laughs) but, um, you know, I send them to other places, um, (laughs) you know, to find out and tell them that they really need to do a lot of research because, you know, but I don't want to teach that either. I don't want to teach people ask me if I wanted to teach a course or something like that about about licensing no no I don't I I don't even want to tell you about it I just want to keep doing what I'm doing I get get letters all the time that say I'm really I'm thinking about starting a magazine will you tell me everything you know and and Uh, the first couple I used to be really kind and um and and you know say nice things now i just say no neither of us has the time (laughs) yeah yeah right it's just they just don't have a clue it's it's crazy out there but i do think education i do think they need to educate themselves i do think that they need to know i mean sometimes we all win i heard you say mary you know i wanted to do this and i just did it and we went to the stationery show i mean that's what we all did in the old days, we had a good idea and we, you know, we packed up our crates and produced our product and we went to the stationery show and sold it. But it was a different day, a different time, a different buyer, a different, you know, a yeah, different it was just audience. The whole thing, the way yeah. it was set up was totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Because selling to chain stores is very, very different than selling to a group of independents. Very different. Very right. different. Right. And, you know, they'll, they'll get, uh, even if they did buy your thing, which would be wonderful, and I'm all for it, um, you know, it's in there for six weeks, and then they want the next new thing. Right. So, you know, it's it's uh, which is fine, but that's just the way it is now, and and you gotta learn to go with the flow. You know. Yeah. You have to adapt. Definitely more mm-hmm. than ever. Yeah. 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 It was funny when I asked you, Mary, to speak at art biz jam several years ago because at that time well what art biz jam is um, my partner phyllis dobbs and i we started a live conference once a year and we it was mostly focused on art licensing at that time and we had different product developers come and speak and look at the portfolios and things and so i asked mary to speak one year and she's like so you want me to talk about art licensing (laughs) like well maybe we just focus on your history because I mean I think it's amazing that you had retail stores and you published a magazine and like you (laughs) you did all these things it's like it blows my mind and still 44 years 45 years going strong it's you know kudos congratulations about it and um and I'm lucky it's all worked out and, and, um, cause I love it. I don't know what else I would do. So, well, 
you're you're a little bit lucky that it's all worked out but you're a whole lot you know you are so good at what you do you're such an expert you're so talented you have to take credit for being who you are because you don't get as far as you've come in as many different areas as you have been in without being exceptional and i hope you appreciate that Thank how good you. you really are that's really nice thanks well this is it's true I, I don't ever say it if it's not true so um and this is the part of my podcast that i hate the most and that's when we're coming to an end because i know for myself and our listeners we could sit here all afternoon we would just have to have lunch delivered is all yeah so, right. but, but but mary i always end my podcasts with two things i'm not going to ask Lori because if you want the answers to Lori's question, to these questions for Lori, you have to listen to her podcast. And yeah. this is Mary's podcast. So Mary, at the end of the podcast, I always ask um, our guest if they will tell our listeners maybe a secret that many people do not know about you or your art or something. Uh, I just got these questions the other day. <laughs> and I'm out of town and I haven't been able to think about them. And I was asking my uh, daughter and husband, what, what's a secret? I don't, I don't what secret do I have? And, well, uh, if you don't have a secret, I don't want to put you on the spot. That's I, not fair. And what we'll do is we'll let you think about it. And then we'll post it on the website with your podcast. Oh, and you that? can make something up too. <laughs> I know. That's what my daughter suggested. <laughs> How do you tell him you? I, I forget what she said. Um, some outrageous thing. Yeah, because I can't really. I'm an open book. <laughs> well, well, that's yeah. great. Maybe See. I have a million secrets, so I don't know <laughs> what that says about me exactly. So, <laughs> okay, so let's move to the second one. And I'm sure that because I always ask people for their favorite quote, and I say this in every podcast, is because. I think the most difficult thing in the world is to say something very profound in very few words. And Mary, you are a genius at it with the writing on your greeting cards and your calendars. So you probably have a thousand of these, which means you probably won't be able to think of one. I can't think of a single <laughs> one. I'm racking my brain here. Like okay, we can put that. You can email me put that, that, on, put that on the page too. Okay, good. <laughs> Because I do have some that I love, but um, what I love are your Mary Angle Dark. I that line. Oh yeah, that's that's the, and those. I have to say, I mean, some of those I make up, but a lot of them, you know, I I find on the internet. It's not me, but um, yeah, the, some of those quotes are so funny. Um, and uh, one of my favorite ones of those is. Um, I'm sorry for all the terrible, awful, accurate things I said about you. <laughs> but yeah, as far as the uplifting quotes, I can't think of one, but I, I will. And I'll send it. Well, that is a perfect way to end a delightful hour. And it is such an honor for me. I, I hope you understand that. And I hope you'll be in the magazine. I'm going to write you an email and follow up on that since I forgot. Love it. Well, that would be fun. And we can do, uh, we can do, you know, we can do an article. Now we, 
Lori will put you on her list of houses to um, feature in the magazine. Lori's gonna do a, a series for us in the magazines of artists whose entire houses are their studios. You know, yeah. if you live yeah. with art, you are your art. It's not just one room in your house. It's it's every inch of where you live. So we'll make you part of that. Oh, and then cool. when your new lines come out, we can do a wonderful feature in what? And talk about all your new art and the new things you're doing and and help you promote it a little bit. Maybe we can do something to help. We like to do that. The only disappointment that I have during our podcast from the kitchen table is when our time is over for today. It is such an honor for me to be able to create a moment for each of us to be together, to share our stories. I can promise you, and you can trust me, no matter how easy these guests make the journey appear, it wasn't. They each started by taking the first step, together and alone, frightened and inspired, ready or not, each one moving ever forward, simply doing what they love to do, and that is create. Because we are a community which is based on our support of one another, please remember to leave a review. Leave a review, not only for these magazines, but for each other. It is a small investment of your time and yet an enormous gift to each of our guests that are working so very hard to be the best they can be in their chosen field. If you have any questions or want to know more, please visit womencreate.com. As you know, I am a lover of quotes, and to end this chapter of From My Kitchen Table, I want to share my favorite quote with you, and that is, I love each of you and all of you with a thousand hearts. Until our next From My Kitchen Table, stay safe, keep notes, and take lots of pictures. I love that. Well, Yay. we're always here. If you ever need anything, I am always here, willing to help to do anything I know how. So Good. thank you.